welcome to the DOS Champions Podcast. I'm Alex Weinstein. I'm joined by the ever awesome, the ever tight, Ryan Tooney. Ryan, what's up, man? Uh, I switched into some baggier clothes for this, so not quite as tight as typical. Nice, nice. How is it hanging for you? Uh, I slipped into some Jenkos and some some Airwalks, so I'm super baggy for this bad boy. Um, No, everything's cool. Um, We got a a ton of content dropping this week. Um, Today, we're here to talk about some of the European matches. We're not going to just talk about the EPL anymore. There's too much interesting stuff to just limit it to the EPL. But we will do an EPL roundup at the end of the European segment. And then um, we're going to hop into some local grassroots, the good stuff. We're going to save the good stuff for the end. We're going to talk about the Bavarians. Ryan's going to talk about the Bavarians mostly. But uh, Ryan, you ready to get this thing kicked off? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was a really good weekend. Um, I was so exhausted on Monday morning, but uh, recovered and ready to, I guess, if you don't mind, begin by talking a little smack about Manchester United. <laughs> Let's talk some shit. Um, so, you know, this game... It really wasn't that surprising. It ended with a Manchester City victory. What's surprising is it wasn't a more uh, lopsided victory in terms of score, but in terms of possession and like having any attacking impetus from United, it was as lopsided as the 5-0 loss to Liverpool. Yeah, I agree. I thought the same thing. I, I literally thought the entire game. It just There's been multiple times where I've said it looks like uh, City have 22 men on the field, but United rolling out this uh, McTominay Fred double pivot is it's just like not working and it offers I can't think of anything that it offers the team they played almost the entire game out of possession in their defensive third yeah I, I actually I heard the statistic I haven't looked it up but I believe that Manchester United had more shots on their own goal than on City's goal they did so <laughs> they did <laughs> that uh that kind of tells you everything you need to know about their like that attacking. By, that by a error, uh, he just looks so rattled, like leading up to the play, and then afterwards he just looked like a fish out of water. Eric, by yeah, a. well, I feel bad for guys in that type of situation because what are they supposed to do? Just like sit there and get pummeled all game? I know it happened super early on, and it, I, I don't know. The team is just not setting itself up to go and win the game. Um, in order to set yourself up like United did and get a result, you need so many things to go your way. And City's just going to bring wave after wave at you, and they're going to get their goals. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know why they don't deal with the situation and try to improve themselves. Um, On to like Ole here because the coaching obviously is very bad, but not bad enough to get fired. I, I really don't think this guy is going to get canned unless they are at risk of actually like having the results impact losing income in like a substantial manner it can't be yeah like the fans would have to like boycott yeah yeah that that could be a thing or if it's like oh wow we're not going to make champions league next year okay we need to like rethink this i i don't think the glazers will take action until there's actual money on the line yeah and even then i, I wonder if they'll take action um what definitely encourages uh, me to believe that Ole is going to stick around is that they didn't move on Conte, and they just there isn't like a great pool of 
people to choose from, I don't think. I don't think there's like a ton of great candidates out there. I mean, Nuno's out there, but that's not going to be the guy. Who, Zidane? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say what they do. I'm, I, I, I have no feel now for what would be good for United. They've let a couple get through their fingertips, or not even because saying that gives us some sort of indication like they're trying to grab at something, which it doesn't seem like they are. Um, I really, it's weird. I, I am not a Manchester United fan, but I find this utterly frustrating and confounding that they just have this complete inability to like react to the situation and take opportunities. They let Conte get by them. They were broken record with this at this point, but they let uh, Pochettino get by them. Um, they, their club is run in such a weird manner. Yeah, Ronaldo is pretty good at scoring goals and everything, but I think you had brought this up a little bit ago. He, he, you know, it imbalances the squad. It's not like it's Ronaldo's fault, but like, what are United doing signing somebody like Sancho and having a great player like Greenwood, but not like giving them the space to flourish? Yeah, it's a strange situation. It um, doesn't make sense any SENSE because that's not positions that they needed, but it also doesn't make sense CENTS because these players' values are just depreciating and, and falling off a cliff. Like Greenwood would be lighting it up. And like if Greenwood were, which I, I think Greenwood's a total badass, but if he had an outstanding run and were one of the leading goal scorers in the EPL, the price tag on the guy would be extraordinary. Like City or uh, United could turn around and sell him and make a pretty penny if they wanted to. Now, that's never something they would practically do. But the values of these players that they're paying top dollar for are depreciating. And I guess when you have an infinite amount of money, it doesn't matter too much. But um, it's certainly in the vein of mismanagement. Yeah, they're just really confounding club once again. Uh, Credit to City, though. They did what they do. They got their result. And I think they're sitting in second place in the table now. So uh, definitely definitely helps them get to get to a better spot and make the league a little bit com- more competitive. I don't have too much else to say on this though. No, I'm, I'm good to move on. We have Norwich and Brentford as the next game in our lineup. And I think this is like an intriguing game, not because Norwich won for the first time, although that's, that's unusual, but uh, more because Fark is out. Their coach has been fired after his first win. That's an unusual time to fire somebody, but it's kind of like firing somebody on a Friday, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it, it is kind of like firing somebody on a Friday in that, like, the international window is here. Uh, I, it feels like this was a planned move to get rid of him and that they were just waiting so that they could do it and then be able to put the new coach in, which I don't think they've announced who it is yet, unless I've not been paying close enough attention. I've heard rumors that it might be Frank Lampard. Oh, wow. That'd be interesting. That would um, be really interesting. I mean, that yeah, might... he's been decent with this, like, type of player too, the like the younger uh, dynamic player I, I don't think that would be the worst move and it's it's kind of a uh reunite him with billy gilmore yeah there you go um but there's not too much to lose here you know he's like playing with house money if he gets relegated with norwich nobody's gonna like think very poorly of him and if he gets a bunch out of these this struggling team people are gonna think a lot of them so that that seems like a, a fairly solid move uh no matter who it is, though, what do you think this means for Josh? Um, I don't know what it means for Josh, no matter who it is. If it's uh, Lampard, 
it will be good things for Josh because Lampard is like one of those guys. Well, I mean, he did it with Chelsea. I don't know what kind of guy he is because I haven't like observed his entire body of work. But with Chelsea, he would like just try to score more goals than the other team and they would have like really shitty defense. And I think having like an offensive minded coach that's capable of generating or helping their strikers generate offense would be a good thing for Sargent. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that, um, I really liked Norwich going into the season. Um, and part of the reason why I like them is because they lo- they were, they have Billy Gilmore on loan and I've been absolutely shocked at why he's not playing. It doesn't make any sense. And um, after watching Norwich play a, big, a pretty sizable handful of games, um, it doesn't make sense that he wouldn't be playing because he's like by far and away, at least in terms of the eye test, the best midfielder on the team. So what does it mean for Sargent? I think the team will perform at a better rate. I personally think, while I liked Farka's honesty about what was happening with the men's national team, I don't think he was the best coach. So I think it's good for Sargent. Yeah, uh, I'm confident that Sargent will acquit himself well uh, and put himself in a position to be on the field as the, in the starting 11 more often than not. And just no matter who comes in, he'll he'll work hard and, and get opportunities. Uh, it, I'm kind of excited by the prospect of Lampard now. But on to um, another American and it, a different league. Uh, Juventus gets a 1-0 win over Fiorentina. Uh, I just feel obligated to always, whenever we talk about Juventus, especially in the last month or so, just be like, Weston McKinney is an absolute stud. Yeah, there's no other way to say it. The guy, uh, like, it seems Juventus is almost playing around him to generate offense. Um, there's so many situations in which the ball will get swung out wide and, and Wes will, like, check into the box, and you can just tell the entire team is... Like, okay, how do we serve this up to Wes? Like, how can we give him, like, a 50-50 ball or, you know, an aerial duel in the box? And in those moments, I don't think it's necessarily the best for Juventus' play because they become, like, somewhat predictable in what they're going to do. But it's so interesting because they they struggle to service the ball in those moments. Um, And then, like, moving up the field, like, Juventus or um, Wes is just so good in tight spaces. Like, I don't – I can't recall – seeing an American player be that effective in any uh, league as competitive as Serie A playing for a team like Juventus, where a guy can be relied on to just make good decisions from his defensive third and carry the ball all the way up the field. I mean, Luca De La Torre is the closest guy I can think of to doing that, but he's not doing it at the level of competition. Exactly. Yeah. Weston is probably performing currently at a level that very few Americans have consistently performed at. Uh, it's weird to get so much, you know, so much shit from the Juve fans, especially. And then uh, constantly getting linked with transfers, too. Uh, I, I feel like Juventus would be really dumb if they got rid of him. He seems to be their entire offense. I mean, even when he's taking the long throw-ins. I, maybe it's a bit to say the, their entire offense, but he really is the beating heart of their team in a lot of ways. He takes the long throw-ins, and then it's like, oh man, I wish he was in there to be on the end of them, too. Right. Um, <laughs> like, what do you think about those Juve, like, getting rid of Weston rumors? I think the most recent one has been with Tottenham. Well, you know where another one was? Was West Ham. Yeah, and, and so... either of those teams, currently, I would, I would think he would perform very well in. I just, I, when he went to, you know the story better than I do, but he basically decided to 
uh, was it that he decided to go to Juve and wanted to like prove it? Like, what was? Do you remember the story there? I thought I thought you told me it was it, I, because he went on loan from Schalke, right? That's how. He yeah, yeah. I mean, Schalke, um, Schalke was struggling financially, and they loaned him out, and then Juve ended up buying him partway through last season, as you know. Every, I would imagine most people that listen to this know. Uh, but it is a, a bet on yourself kind of a thing. And exactly. I thought at that time he really, that showed his mentality and his willingness to try to like, you know, up his level at a team like Juventus, one of the biggest teams in the world. Um, and that'll carry him far. I would, I, I feel like no matter where he moves, if he moves, he'll be successful. The kid, the I, kid I agree. He's that's, a scud. That's the <laughs> point I was, I was getting to is like, when I see people go through the mental motion of betting on themselves, um, and they do it at this type of level, right? So he goes from Schalke to Juve and becomes, as you've said it, like the heartbeat of their offense. And there's a lot of people who will disagree with that, but that's just what the tape from a you know from a biased viewer looks like. Uh, if he went to West Ham or he went to Tottenham, he would be successful in his own regard there. And so I I don't really look at the I kind of laugh at the rumors, and I feel bad for the Juventus fans that are so reactionary that they would do away with a player like West that, but. You know, as far as what I care about it, put Wes on any team that's going to compete for a top four spot, and that team is going to be better. And Wes is probably going to play. Yeah, absolutely. He'd be a contributor. Um, so on to uh, Germany now. Um, mm-hmm. RB Leipzig took down Dortmund uh, two to one. Um, I guess first we should start with this is the first win that Dortmund has had or sorry, the first win that RB has had against Dortmund in what, three plus years, it looks like. That's right. Um, so that's a good sign for Jesse Marsh. I know Dortmund's struggling with injuries, so it's not the strongest Dortmund that they took down, but still it's uh, it's good. They've had, from Leipzig's perspective, two good results in a row. Uh, you know, tying tying PSG has is, is got to be considered a success for a team like RB. And then, you know, winning in the league on the weekend, right before the international break, a uh, really good way to, to close it out. Yeah, I agree. Um, that was a really big win for RB. Um, they're now one point behind Wolfsburg, and I doubt that Freiburg, who's currently sitting in third place with 22 points, RB's at 18, Wolfsburg's at 19. I doubt that Freiburg is going to hold that position. So basically what also happened in this game is Jesse Marsh bought himself some breathing room. Um, and that was, that was important. Like, he, he really in my opinion, needed to find himself in a position to be competitive for a Champions League spot and coming out of this game, not only to win against a team that they haven't beaten three plus years, but to put himself in the Champions League race, even though it's early on in the season, was this, was a fantastic result. Yeah, I was never one to buy into the like fire alarm situation around Marsh. Uh, only when he had poor results in the league did I get really nervous. They're in a very tough Champions League group, and having you know, bad matches against some of the teams that they have to deal with in, in Champions League. I don't think he's being judged on that. Um, the guy is an RB company man. Uh, Leipzig was traditionally a high-pressing team. He is going back to that model, away from the more controlling model that uh, Nagelsmann had implemented. Yeah, they're kind of looking jacked up in transition defense right now, but it should get better. But they are consistently producing goal scoring chances. I think Marsh's job is pretty safe unless they get he gets them into a spot where they look 
like they can't qualify for Champions League or at the end of the season, they just don't qualify for Champions League barely. Uh, that's the only way I see this guy getting fired. Yeah, I hear you. Um, you've got a few players on the list that you called out. One of them was Nikanku. Tell me what you saw from him. Well, I mean, he's just been unbelievable recently. He had a pretty good year last year, but he's raised his level completely. Uh, well, I shouldn't say completely. It's more of a consistency thing with him. I think he he's matured a bit, and he looks like he knows he's the best player on the field for them, and he, he continually is scoring goals and, and looking very, very confident. Uh, with RV's model, I would not be surprised at all that this guy gets a big move uh, this summer to you know one of the more elite teams in Europe. Yeah, I could see that. I actually expect that type of move as well, based on his uh, run of games and RB Leipzig's transfer history. What did you think of Tyler Adams? There was some commentary I heard out there that Adams wasn't playing a great game. I think a lot of this stuff is contextual, and I want to hear your opinion on that. Yeah, he he does look... um a bit out of sorts sometimes. I just wonder how much of that has to, like you said, contextual. I wonder how much of that has to be, or how much that has to do with the, um, the team not, not being quite keyed in to their, their high press yet. He's in a position where um, when the team defense breaks down, you know, being a center defensive midfielder or in a double pivot, either way, he's got, he's the one that's going to have to be chasing a guy or like, yeah, or like hacking a guy down or like whatever it takes. So he's constantly in a position to look bad more than like the other guys that might not have like initiated their pressing triggers correctly and all that, that led to Adams being in this shitty situation. Uh, he's always got, he's got room for improvement for sure. And reading the game a little bit better and, and reacting that bit quicker is are things he definitely could have done better, but I'm not one to be like, you know, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. No, I hear you. Um, that's a really interesting take. I didn't even think about how his responsibility on that team is to be the last guy when things break down and based on pressing patterns not being executed correctly, he finds himself in a precarious spot where he's almost destined to look bad. The other thing to note is he's 21 years old and he's occupying a very difficult position on the field to occupy an, an integral position on the field for the for what the system requires in a team in a top league competing for a top position so it's always good to keep that context in mind and a, there's a long season there's a lot of getting into a groove he has left or falling out of one you know although i yeah. like to think he's he's a pretty special player I uh, think he is a special player as well, um, and I kind of, I mean, this is true, it's kind of maybe a cop-out thing for me to say here, because everybody buoys up and down with their team, but given the, once again, pressing struggles of Leipzig and the transition defense stuff, as soon as they start getting a little bit better at that, suddenly Adams is going to look a lot better as well. So let's, you know, let's uh, let's see how that ends up going. Uh I guess we're going to head into Sunday's games and back to Italy. Um, this was a nice early one. It was like 5.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. I know you were a hungover bum at this point, having too much fun the night before. I watched, I watched this game. Um, <laughs> it's a total hungover bum. I watched this game. Yeah, this is a Venezia 3 and Roma 2. What a big win for Venezia. They're... I, they're like the world's darling right now. Everyone loves their jerseys. I don't know who was rooting for Jose Mourinho over uh, Busio. Uh, you would have to have a heart of of uh, stone in order to do that. So 
or what's the kind of thing that like uh buffon said after that one champions league was like a trash can for a heart <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about the referee getting, yeah getting exactly the, getting the PK. <laughs> yeah uh uh but but anyways um this was a back and forth barn burner of a game. I'm so glad that I caught up to watch it. Thank you, uh, time change for making 5:30 more reasonable. Though I get up at 4 a.m. every day, um, it doesn't. It, it still makes it a bit, a bit easier. Absolutely. On um, Busio specifically, this kid. It's like every game he raises his his level. I, I don't know where his ceiling is, and I, I saw a. Uh, a t-shirt. I think it must have just been photoshopped because it was the old, you know, no Pirlo, no party um, thing with Pirlo, but it said I no Busio, that. no party. And I was like, all right, you know, yeah, I, ho- I hope we... Pirlo yeah, was ho- it. Yeah, but wasn't that just Photoshop? Uh, may have been. You might be right about that. I'm too dumb to tell. <laughs> either way, like, either way, it's beautiful. I'm glad we're getting, we're getting to this point. But uh, I am interested um, about Tanner Tessman right now. You have been a Tanner Tessman truther. So a little alliteration before the, here. Before the transfer, too. I was a Tanner Yeah, Tessman no, truther. you have. Yeah, so when like. he was getting no time at FC you, Dallas, I was a Tanner Tessman truther. For real. So what's what's the deal here? It looks like he's getting more minutes. Um, what do we think about him? Or what do you think about him? Yeah, um, I guess like in terms of his past and why I liked him so much, um, he was just like a really good American athlete in general that was being sought out to play multiple sports. And that's appealing to me to begin with. I think that type of like kinetic intelligence and the ability to move your body in different ways was, was is, a, is a valuable thing. But his physical stature is also interesting. Um, the way that he's built, he's got the ability um, just in terms of mechanics to probably kick a ball f- harder and further than a player like Busio, his legs are longer. His body is built in a way to accommodate that type of motion. Um, and I could be wrong about that, but that's just what I see. And uh, so that's like the history kind of leading up to him and he gets transferred and uh, he doesn't play at first. And now he's checking into the games pretty routinely. Uh, he's like a really big guy and he's able to win 50, 50 balls. And if he knows how to use his body and he can use it the right way, if he basically picks up the skills that are almost innate skills that you pick up when you play in Serie A, a lot of it is like uh disciplined midfield and uh physical defensive play. You know, you see that in players like Benucci and Cialini and then like your peer lows of the world. Like, you know, you see that marriage of skill sets kind of existing in Serie A. If he becomes that, he's like our long lost six. You know, or our backup six. You could say it's Tyler Adams, but the role that he would play would be a position that's slightly different than a Tyler Adams, less of a workhorse and more of a guy who can drill passes across the pitch while winning the 50-50 ball. Yeah, I really hope that he can fill into that uh, that type of role. We constantly in the USMNT community are like, oh, who's the backup? Who's the backup? You know, and um, we'll talk about this more tomorrow with um, Linners and Woozers, but uh acosta is a guy that occupies a position right now where i think a lot of people are like oh man can't we do better and right now it's really hard to be to for me at least to think we have somebody that automatically should go in instead but if tanner can continue to progress uh he does have a great opportunity to be a a different kind of holding midfielder to adams but one that could be really useful for the u.s men's national team um i don't think people 
think about this or talk about it enough, but he's absolutely in a position to contest for Acosta's roster position for the upcoming World Cup. Yeah, there's a, there are many months left still, and there's a lot of time for him to concentrate on getting better at Venezia, working his way into that that team. And I, I say this a lot about Busio, like that maybe he'll be our one of our starting central midfielders come um, come the spring. But if Tanner is getting more time at Venezia, and Venezia keeps playing pretty well and and is looking to not get relegated. Who, who knows where we're going to be considering him come April. So yeah, I think, you know, keep an open mind about this, everyone and, and see, uh, we'll see in the spring and then into the, the fall when it's really heating up for world cup roster selection, presuming we make it, of course, uh, how this all shakes out. I highly doubt that Tanner Tessman is going to listen to our podcast, but in the one in a million chance that he is, the one thing I think he could improve upon if he could choose to improve upon it would be, Get that physical play dialed in. Learn how to use your body in a physical way like the other Italian defenders do. And learn learn how to push the edge like the Italian players do. They're so good at that. They're so I, I think back to when Cialini um totally took out um Bukayo Saka in the Euro final. And the Italian players have this ability to just walk the line and push the rules of the game to the limits. It's almost like a football IQ thing they have. If you could pick up those things, that dude's going to be really dangerous. Yeah, I totally agree with that. They do have that little, uh, you know, little snake in the grass type stuff. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, on to, on to Everton and Tottenham. Um, Tottenham has their own new snake in the grass and in, in, uh, in Conte. But, uh, you know, we, we like him over here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, how do, you, how do you feel about this game? I didn't watch this one, but I know you watched it with, uh, you know, some amount of, I don't, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm sure you're feeling yeah, great. It's like it's like apathy and frustration combined. So yeah. it's like just like a, a very mild negative feeling. Um, yeah, I f- the big takeaways I have are... Um, Everton's the Everton are just not generating a ton of really good offense. They're struggling to do that. Um, the injuries to their team and the absence to decor. I think the absence to decor has been more impactful than the loss of uh, Calvert Lewin. Just shocking, but it's I, I almost feel like that's like a hundred percent the case. They're just struggling to generate offense. That PK that um, was awarded, I didn't think should have been re- awarded. There's a lot of talk after the game about whether or not that should have been a PK. So for our listeners at home, Richarlison um, had a one-on-one with um, Hugo Lloris and uh, it was called a PK and Hugo Lloris got a piece of the ball. So it shouldn't have been a PK, but what happened after the play is Richarlison beat Lloris to the second ball and had not necessarily a one-on-one, but pretty close to a one-on-one with Lloris. And um, I would have preferred that there was a no call and they let that play play out. Um, so that was like the controversial VAR call I thought was present in the game. But aside from that, um, Everton just, they're not that good. You know, like they brought in Mason Holgate, who I think has been a bum his entire tenure at Everton. He strikes me as one of those guys that's overly physical, uh, for his absent absence of class, both, both class and his technical ability and class and his mental ability to respect players and respect the game. Um, he got red carded within a minute of being on the pitch and Everton played the last, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of the game down a man. 
but that's my interpretation of Everton. And um, I guess Tottenham are kicking themselves because they feel like they probably should have won that game. Yeah, I would imagine they do feel like they they should have won this game, uh, especially you would think they get a little bit of a boost with Conte as their coach. But, you know, Tottenham has been struggling as well. Uh, and maybe it is a bit much to think, oh, they, they can raise their level out the gates. I, I, I still expect um, Tottenham, once Conte gets his, his claws into him here after or through the international break to come out um, in the next in like two weeks from now or whenever it is really, uh, really looking like they they have a, a you know, a new lease on life. Uh, Conte is a very, very good coach. United made a dumb, dumb mistake here by not hiring him. And I think Tottenham is you're going to see why in in the next month or so. I have a feeling you're right. Uh, but yeah, the last, um, well, not last EP, it was the last EPL game of the weekend, but not the last one we're going to touch on. Um, and where I'm a little bit sad, but I got to give respect to West Ham with their three to two victory over Liverpool. Um, at least Liverpool tends to always have just unbelievable games every week, every time they play. So, so that's nice. Uh, never, you know, never a poor game. I don't think this entire season with them in terms of the excitement factor, but I, I kind of want to just praise West Ham because every it's when you watch them play, and, and Liverpool can be extremely suffocating to other teams in the way that they play, but West Ham did not allow themselves to, to be treated like that. Even though Liverpool had most of the ball, any loose balls, every 50-50 ball, every second, you know, second ball that is coming down, West Ham is right there, not allowing somebody to get comfortable. There was there was one moment where um, a ball just kind of like spit out to the sideline and Mane was going to go and collect it. And typically he would have allotted enough space by like a, a lesser team to kind of turn and settle. No way, not against West Ham. They make you fight for every goddamn inch. Um, and there's a reason that they are in the position they are. They look exceptionally organized. David Moyes is... a a great coach. I would actually argue he's one of the best coaches in EPL history. If you look at his body of work back from like what he did with Everton, we knew there. And then uh, what he's doing with West Ham now building this, um, the United job aside, because how can you expect anyone to be successful at United being the immediate successor to Sir Alex Ferguson? But yeah, you got uh, any additional praise you want to heap on West Ham here? No, I that's, that's really interesting context. Um, no, I thought you did a great job, and that take on Moyes is, is a really insightful take. Um, you know, I'm really going to take a closer look at what you had to say about him, but we went into this season, and I, I say this every pod, they're currently third in the table. We said they were going to be good. We said that they had identity. They didn't lose identity. They know which people on the field are responsible for what, and they have really good coaching. And that's kind of come out throughout the course of the season so far. I don't see at this rate, and barring any crazy injury, and it will be interesting to see what happens in the next transfer window. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next transfer window, especially if Juve is considering offloading Wes, um, where these teams end up, because I don't see United catching up to West Ham. Um, Arsenal's a different story, however. Yeah, um, and I'll just say last, uh, to close out this little bit about West Ham Liverpool is Liverpool. Um, it's their first loss this season. They're the leading scorers in the league. They've conceded, I guess, more goals than I would want. Eleven and eleven games. 
but it, it feels so much worse than that based upon their league position. So it's a it's a bitter pill bitter pill here. But yeah, that's uh round up the EPL unless you got something else on that. No, I'll round it off. Um, okay. So we have we have Palace beating Wolves. Uh, Wolves have been like a really hot team in the league, but Palace have really stepped it up since the transfer of Edward. Uh, so Palace beat Wolves. Um, we've got Arsenal beating Watford. I think in the last nine games of the season, Arsenal have been the best team in the EPL. Um, so they're on an absolute tear right now. They sit at fifth in the table with 20 points, two points behind Liverpool. Um, who are sitting with 22. Yeah, they're a big surprise considering how they've been in the last year or whatever. Well, you brought this up before we got on, but they have 13 goals for and 13 goals against. That's so yeah. strange to see from a team at number five. Yeah, but I think it's form related as well. So, you know, recently they're doing better and before they were just getting their dicks kicked in. So <laughs> <laughs> here, here we are. Lucky number 13. Hell yeah. Uh, so we've got lesser tying leads. Uh, both of these teams have been surprisingly disappointed this disappointing this year. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it. I still am like waiting for Leeds to do better, but it feels like they might just be that like uh, not quite relegated, not quite top half. Where are we, Southampton? <laughs> like, right, right. Um, yeah, we've got Chelsea tying Burnley. Um, big for Chelsea in the sense that they get a point. You know, they're not like losing points. They probably should have won this game. Even bigger for Burnley, who are going to do everything they can to avoid relegation and getting a point here is a big deal. They sit two points behind Watford to not get relegated mostly. Yeah. And have some separation from, uh, from Newcastle, but it's only three points. So, you know, that can change very quickly at the bottom when you are talking about five versus eight points. Yeah. And speaking of, um, hot garbage, Newcastle, um, Brighton and Newcastle tie, probably a pretty disappointing result for Brighton. Um, they could have used those, they could have used those extra two points. Uh, Newcastle get a point. They sit at five points. They are tied with Nor- Norwich. Um, they are without a win. They're the only team in the EPL without a win. Yeah, Newcastle relegation watch is uh, in full effect here. Oh, yay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that rounds out the EPL stuff. I'm I'm actually, I don't know, personally more excited for this last segment because I got to be at the games um, and... When you go to these smaller games, I guess I'm talking about uh, Wisconsin um, Soccer League, the first division semifinal, and then the majors semifinal. I went to a couple of games over the weekend up at the Bavarian Club in in Glendale, Wisconsin. Uh, Had some, um, as I was told, very Midwestern food uh, from USMNT Enjoyer. Thanks for that, buddy. Love you. but yeah, I'll get into the games. The uh, the reserves, the Bavarian United reserves, ended up winning three one after extra time over Milwaukee Serbians. Um, the big things that I noticed, and this is the first time I had seen these guys play in a while, was uh, the winger and the striker on Bavarians seemed very good in terms of their skill. They, uh, you, I love watching these kind of games because you always see the like the there's the classic like old man. Uh, you know, balding center back who, who holds it all down. He was really, really solid. Um, it's great to hear the chatter too, during the game about like, Hey man, calm down. Um, I will note the refing left something to be desired. There weren't too many cards given out, but you could tell the ref would like tell people to calm down all the time. And then I think it was in extra time after the uh, Milwaukee Serbians had gone down. There was just a terrible challenge that came in that didn't 
result in like much contact, but you could see the guy was not going for the ball at all. The Bavarian player jumped out of the way and it was just like a straight red card, send him off. Like uh classic uh, you know, I love it. L- lower division lower division soccer i had a bit of an embarrassing moment with this one though because i was trying to tweet that you know keep the tweets coming with uh score updates and whatnot and then i was apparently tweeting at the incorrect serbian club um awesome yeah luckily though i got followed by the other serbian um so it was milwaukee serbians is who was in this game and then united serbian soccer club is the other one and they followed, they followed me back, uh, and luckily, they're actually playing um, the Bavarian Majors in the final of the Majors division. So, yeah, going to get to see them play anyways, and play some groundwork. Yeah, it all worked out. Um, as a kid, I don't remember there being two Serbian clubs in Milwaukee, so I got to I gotta look into this and, and see what exactly is going on if I just, you know, am straight ignorant here, or if, like, something new got formed recently. Uh, but yeah, that wraps up the, the semi-final game. Uh, Stein, you got any questions or anything you, you think I should no, talk about more? I want to, I want to, I want to see more of this. Um, I want to see more of these games. They, it looks like, uh, both of them have ties to the Milwaukee wave somehow. I didn't even realize the Milwaukee wave were still, a th- were still a thing. Yeah. I don't know what the situation is with that. If it's indoor or it might be like an outdoor team now, I'm, you know, I'm really just reacquainting with all of this kind of stuff, but it's a ton of fun to go to these local games. The uh, the second game, so I went to a double header, was the uh, the majors division, um, and Bavarians ended up winning four to one against Honduras FC. There was a definite uptick in level from the first division to the majors division. Uh, Honduras actually went down, went up one zero very early on, first five minutes or so. I want to say a couple of things that really stuck out to me throughout the game was the left back and then he rotated to left center back for um the bavarians was very very calm on the ball um the technical ability with like him and then some of the central midfielders and their ability to rotate possession and and pick passes and the patterns of play that they were doing were uh were at a, a pretty high level i would say and it it was it was a pretty good game to end up watching um also, the number nine for the Bavarians had pretty good hold-up play. Uh, he He's one of those guys that, like, you can tell his legs are a lot stronger than, like, his upper body, but it, it allowed him to really hold off uh, the defenders that were coming at him, take some challenges, ride them, and then, and you know, spin away and play balls off to other people. Uh, that was that was really, really fun to watch. Uh, but so by the end of the game, after having gone down one zero early they just ground the other team down with possession and ended up winning 4-1 in the end so both teams are on to the finals um those are this weekend the reserve final is at 2 30 p.m and the uh majors final is at 5 p.m i'm uh i'm definitely attending and it's a uh, it's going to be a blast i i can't wait to see how this goes and luckily uh I should say who the opponents are. The Bavarian United Reserves are playing against Crush. And then the Bavarian United Majors team is playing against the United Serbians. So I'm uh, I'm excited to see those games. I think they're gonna be they're gonna be pretty competitive, especially that final. I've heard rumors that the United Serbians at home are a total handful. Luckily this is at the Bavarian, but I think that it's gonna be um 
it's going to be a fun atmosphere. That's really interesting. Um, I'm curious to know if there are any MLS next clubs in um, in Wisconsin. I don't think there are. Well, um, the Bavarian is an MLS next club. They are. Yes. That's interesting. I didn't realize that they're putting out an. They they have a site. Um, there's a site and it's WisconsinSoccerCentral.com and it tells you the aggregate of each uh, club and and where they're putting out their where they're putting out youth talent both to um uw schools out of state schools and then international and there's a guy who's come out of the bavarians ryan lamping um who's at the madrid academy right now oh that's pretty neat yeah it is pretty cool um i love that coverage man thanks for covering that yeah well uh you know maybe maybe you'll be joining me this weekend unless you have to you know of course play future dad which is obviously more important but i'm trying to work on getting my um getting my child into the uh international pool of the bavarian website um i'm trying to get an early start of that by building a badass nursery but i might join you i mean poor poor chop is hard to pass up yeah oh yeah we'll definitely hit up the uh the beer house beforehand how can you not um especially this time of year but uh yeah that's all i got on this um yeah anything to close out alex no, I think uh, from Fat Ronaldo's children, um, eat your pork chops, eat your meat, drink your beers, support your local soccer, and uh, most importantly, tune in tomorrow. We're going to be on with Linners and Woozers talking about the men's national team. Ryan, have a good night, buddy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. 